So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Exciting times. It is very exciting. So this week is our first YouTube podcast. Yeah, so if you guys have ever wanted to watch this podcast happen, that is the thing you can now do. Yeah. So like for me, I consume a lot of podcasts on YouTube. So I think it's a perfect platform for it. Like I love just getting up in the morning, having a coffee and just whacking on YouTube on my TV and just watching a full podcast episode. I just don't understand it. For me, podcast is very, very audio in your ears. That's how you listen to it. Get on the bus, you can paint, you can wash the dishes and you can listen to a podcast. So for me, I I don't understand it, but I know that a lot of people do watch podcasts on YouTube. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll stick it on there. Yeah. Um, and what we're going to do is really sort of, uh, we're going to have a little dig around now about our kind of tactics with what we're going to do on there. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you guys will find it interesting or useful if you are thinking of starting your own YouTube channel. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're starting with no subscribers at the moment. So we're going to kind of update you as we go along with our journey and what we've found works, what we've found doesn't. And just kind of help you guys. So if you're starting it as well, like you can follow along with us. So when we started this podcast, we were obviously very tactical with it about yeah. how we were going to grow within iTunes and Spotify and all, and all those sort of platforms, how we would get discovered. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've researched how we're going to do that on YouTube and it's a very different sort of process. Yeah, I think YouTube is, basically YouTube is owned by Google. So it's basically, it's the second biggest search engine. So I think what we're going to try and do with it is really look at the keywords and trying to answer questions based around those so we're doing our main episodes that you're hearing right now on a friday and then we're also doing midweek episodes every wednesday me and david are just sitting together doing a question and answer where we're answering your questions that you've dropped us on instagram at rebels create and we're going to break those down into like topics i suppose so we're going to break it down so if there's a topic for example imposter syndrome we're going to answer three different people's questions that, that people have sent in around that subject and so and that works because if someone's searching for imposter syndrome um, youtube is the second biggest search engine in the world so our, our results are likely to more likely to show up yeah so basically so obviously with podcasting there's no search function if you've got a specific question that you want answering you can't type that into your podcast app to find that answer whereas i think youtube's a much better place for that so if you if you're feeling something if you're if we're doing an episode on what our top tips for starting a business for example like you can't do that on on a podcast platform but you can do on YouTube. So I think really targeting people's search results and trying to give value to those people who are searching. So what we'll do is we'll do some keyword research to find out what people are actually searching for and try and find areas where there's not really answers to those on YouTube and try and try and solve those. And also asking our audience of existing listeners and finding out what it is that, that they're worried about, because if they're worried about it, then there's going to be people thinking that and asking about it. It's quite exciting, really, because I suppose the tactics that we used for the podcast is really more about sort of branding and 
And it's more of a like a trust and a time exercise in that we'll use influencers. So we'll we'll interview people that we know people are going to care what they say and, yeah. and have, that have interesting journeys and people are going to want to know where they've come from. But really the, the podcast is, has been a success because people have sought it out. They found it because they know, because it speaks to them, the yeah. kind of person that they are, um, or like a friend has recommended it to them. Whereas with YouTube, we can like get quite specific. We can see what people are actually asking for, worried about. Um, and so a lot more people are going to find us, I guess, by accident, although yeah. it won't be by accident because they're kind of looking for Yeah, it. I think YouTube's a great place to go for discovery because it's really hard to get found on on iTunes, for example. Yeah. It's like we're fortunate that we're in the top top charts of entrepreneurship. So people can search for, through the business, find entrepreneurship, and then find our podcast through there. But that's because we've got quite a large audience. If you're someone getting started, it's really hard to grow that community. And so I think YouTube could be really, really beneficial for us there. Yeah, so we'll we'll be very calculated with it. And um, things like things like the way that we title the videos, we'll probably title them slightly differently than we would for the audio episode. Yeah. Um, just to just to hit those metrics and stuff. Um, and I think it will also be interesting for people to follow this journey along and just realize how much patience we're going to put into it mm -hmm. because we don't expect that we're going to have a million subscribers straight no. off the bat. This is going to be a real slow burner, but week after week, we're just going to, we're going to keep putting it out and, um, and just see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Yes, so we are, we're looking forward to, uh, to starting our YouTube journey. We will see where it takes us. This week's guest is my good friend, Anna Barnett. Yeah, your mate Anna. Um, she's lovely, isn't she? Yeah, and so is her dog. Yeah, she brought a little teddy bear into the studio. He was a lovely little pup. Um, so Anna Barnett is a chef and a food blogger. After working what many would call, I guess, dream jobs at MTV, Channel 4 and House of Holland, Anna finally realised that food was what she was most passionate about. Anna runs supper clubs, cooking classes, and has written a book called Eat the Week. She's collaborated with brands like Grey Goose and Soho House, and is really making a successful career um, from doing what she loves. Her ethos is all about positive thinking and just going for any opportunity that comes your way. In this episode, we talk about leaving a dream job to go freelance, shepherd's pie, and doing what makes you happy. Realizing what it is that makes you happy and what it is you enjoy and thrive on. I think that, and then ho like, you know, having the balls to try and hone in on that is the most important thing. Hi Anna. Hi. Welcome. Hi Teddy. So if uh, yeah, if anyone hears any weird noises, there might be a run in at some point from from Teddy the dog. Yes, heavy panting is not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing our podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, what do you say to people who say I can't cook? I say please don't cook for me then. <laughs> um, no, I would say yes, you can. Um, go for it. It's one of those things, isn't it? That like I would have said to you a couple of years ago, like oh, I can't cook, and I think it's maybe you haven't tried to cook. Yeah. Do you know what? I always, I've, there's been several people that I've worked with over the years that I've tried to teach to cook. And I always say cooking is confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they really took the piss out of me for that. Um, but I think if you are confident about your flavours and you're aware of what tastes of what and what you ultimately want to achieve, then you can, you can, you've just got to try it. And yeah. do you know what? If it doesn't work, you know not to put that in again or 
whatever. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because like confidence is just the act of doing something yeah. over and over again. Till and so when you get someone who like so it, me if I'm following a recipe I'm like okay it says three ounces and then I measure out three ounces yeah. whereas like a confident chef is just like bosh 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 a little totally, bit of this yeah. some yeah. of that and just like you like, look at the picture you're like I've got that yeah, um, yeah. Trying to learn what tastes nice together and it's like because if we've got a fridge full of random stuff and we're yeah. like what's for dinner and we're like oh well if we mix that 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 and that then that'll probably taste good and it generally does yeah for sure. I actually often do a fridge raid because I have been disorganized or I've not as much as I preach organization is like the key to kind of happy living and healthy yeah. living. Um, yeah, often I'm like, what the hell? What have we got? What are we having for dinner? And then you pull out whatever you've got and kind of throw it together. But I think if you know the key flavor profiles that you want to combine or what you want to achieve, I think you can totally, it is just practice. You can totally achieve something uh, good, delicious. I actually challenged my husband to it last night and it wasn't too bad. I just said no paprika because he put <laughs> paprika in some kind of pasta the other week. I oh, was wow. Like, yeah, I was like, that is borderline divorce for me. <laughs> that is one step too far. There, paprika has no place in my bolognese. I mean, paprika is the best spice, but not with In pasta. Mexican cuisine, yes. Yeah, yeah. Outside of that, it just doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, have a place too often in my cooking. So have you, like, were you grown up around food? Has it always been? Do you know what? I grew up a greedy child. Um, I grew up in a big family. There were six of us children. So um, I guess one of the things was if you cooked, you didn't clean or you cleaned up less. Uh, there's a lot of chores. Um, I'm really good at ironing. Um, and, yeah, I guess that that was one of the kind of impetus for me to kind of cook and be more creative and also because every night we all had to sit around the table we would all sit together no tv on and every sunday was like this big sunday rose boyfriends family whoever there would always be like a crowd for sunday um and so yeah and i guess my dad would also cook a lot uh, come sunday roasts and you know all of that so i would kind of do that with him yeah, and my mum was also a good cook. My nan's an amazing baker. My mum was quite experimental, so we would, like, I don't know, We I remember, like, she'd do dinner parties for friends and we would go and, um, like, make Peking duck and we'd be out there kind of chilling it out in the garden and, like, amazing. hiding it from birds and whatnot. So, yeah, I think food has definitely always been a part of my life. I've always enjoyed it personally. What was your favourite <laughs> meal as a kid? Bolognese. Oh, no, no, that's a lie. I do love bolognese. Uh, but my nan's shepherd's pie. I still, wow. I actually tried to go vegan for a month and that was the one thing. I just couldn't look her in the eyes and say, nan, I'm not going to eat your shepherd's pie. <laughs> I was just like, give me the shepherd's pie. Her gravy, the key to her shepherd's pie is that her gravy is as meaty as the filling to the shepherd's pie. So it's just like... Do you know her secret? Just put extra meat in your okay. gravy. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know, she just nails it every time. Yeah, so. my grandma does a mean shepherd's pie as well. It might be good, but not as good as my nan. <laughs> oh, wow, sounds like a, sounds like a pie off. She, yeah. My friend actually posted that her nan's uh, shepherd's pie is the best, or cottage pie is the best one out there, and I kind of had to interject and be like, I don't think it is. <laughs> so I'm seeing like a theme going on here. Uh, my grandma does. Uh, uh, I don't eat beef anymore, but my grandma does a corn corn beef uh, pie as well. That I, yeah, I've missed that. Yeah, I'm I'm really missed that. For long, since my Duke of Edinburgh, I don't think I've had corn beef <laughs> <laughs> like in a sandwich for mm. energy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the dark days. Um, <laughs> my my grandma puts um, baked beans in a shepherd's pie. That's a winner. That is controversial. Oh, it's so good though. Yeah, so I think good. for me that's a different pie. Yeah, because it's like the, you you don't like tomatoey sauce though, do you? I don't mind baked beans though. Oh, okay, but yeah, I feel like that would just go against the meatiness of a of a pie. I think it's taking away from the gravy taste. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I don't think she puts gravy in, so it's, yeah, it's a... What? It's a, what is this pie? Yeah, my grandma's a genius. We'll have her on the podcast. Yeah. I'm going around to her house. I want to try this pie. Bless her. She's she's 96 and, like, her hands are, like, really, really not working very well Sweet. anymore. But she's still cooking and she's still, like... Yeah. like. And it's so funny that, like, now her the stuff that she makes is just, like, there's no presentation there because she can't because her hands aren't working oh, properly. It's just saying. these, like, piles of food. But they still I'm taste just good as good. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my nan's amazing. actually 91 and... Uh, is still baking. She's still, I don't know, she's like, she's so agile. She's kind of just yeah. throws herself up out of the chair and she's off like whipping up a cake or something or a shepherd's pie or she's like, Christ, man. It's, <laughs> it's so inspirational, isn't it? She's, like, yeah, amazing. And the, you find like this community of how they've all looked after each other over the years. Like she's lived in the same place for 30 years and the way everyone kind of drops in and it's just, there is something so brilliant. We actually lost my granddad last year. But prior to that, he was really like the pillar of this, like, uh, what is it? A community. Community, yeah. but like the village that they live in. And would just go around making jokes, taking the piss out of everyone. But they loved him. And yeah, yeah you just really realise like how integral everyone is in each other's lives and yeah. keeping each other positive and happy and fed and healthy and sharing their vegetables they grow in the garden. It's like, it's... Sweet. Super sweet. So Goals, good. isn't it? I wonder. I wonder how much of that we will lose because it's yeah. like everyone does talk about things being like, oh, it's not as good as it was in the old days and stuff. And I think everything is. Uh, a lot of people go on about that, and I really don't think it's as bad as people make out. And I think things are actually pretty fucking great at the moment. Um, and like social media and all of that sort of stuff has like actually massive upside to it. Yeah. Um, but you I know, do. I do wonder. Sorry, I'm just getting really excited. Yeah, yeah, go. But the, I was actually introduced to an app called Olio last year. And yes, I've seen that on the tube recently. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it was literally the best thing I did all what last year. So it is an app that um, basically works within the vicinity you are. So it will show you, so say where, where we are here, there might be like five, 6,000 people. I actually tested it recently with a brat. We're like, who's on Olio? And there's like 6,000 people, I think. Um, and it's basically a food waste app. So... If you are going on holiday and you've got a fridge full of stuff still, you don't want it to go off, then you can, even if it's like an open packet of biscuits, you can upload the picture, the sell-by date onto Olio and say, this is the collection. Free. It's free. To, You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before Christmas, I was actually doing a, a big Christmas shoot. Uh, I think, in fact, we shot yeah, for it. Yeah, I yeah. got sent another goose, like huge, uh, like after we'd shot the... Oh, is that what we ate when you <laughs> came? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh, that was so good. Right, okay, <laughs> so just, let's, let's, you can fill everyone in on what we're talking about. Yeah, so me, uh, me and Anna shot, yeah, just before Christmas and you made a big goose that... Did you say that went horribly burnt? <laughs> I know, basically, I had to do it overnight and I completely messed it up. I was yeah. like, I was playing around with new ovens. It was, yeah, it was a yeah, car crash. you just crash. got a new oven, hadn't so you? So I actually needed that second one, but it was too late to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so the surplus goose um, I put up on Olio and it was about a week before Christmas, I think, at that point. And I kid you not, within three seconds, someone had messaged saying, is this still available? Um, I would love it. I've not sorted out anything for my Christmas plans for, to feed oh, my family. Oh, I said, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'll be here till six o'clock. Um, this guy turned up with his backpack and he was like, he could not be more grateful. And 
with him being like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I was like, so if you need any tips about how to cook it, (laughs) I obviously gave him my much revised (laughs) cooking plans. Just sell him a book. Yeah, threw one in there, didn't even ask for it. Um, Yeah, and he was like, it was so nice. He even like messaged me after being like, I just want to say thank you so much. Like, I don't know. It's. I think realized. sharing food is like really nice and rewarding. It's like when I brought that box back to the office with all like the potatoes and yeah. the goose and like everyone had a bit here and it was just, everyone was just like, this is so good. Because it's like on a, like a Wednesday afternoon or something, it seems like roast potatoes when and goose arrived roast potatoes? at the office. Yeah. And I think there's some gravy or something on it as well. I was just like, everyone was just over the moon. It's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we and talk that- about like storytelling being important for business, it's like when you look at the history of storytelling, it's like it's such a human thing that's come from like literally our caveman brain, like makes us want to tell stories. And that's because that's how mm. we share knowledge within a tribe. But I mean, the other thing would be social situations involving food. That was how we built human connections, which is what built everything. So I, I reckon there's something like, I don't think there's something more to it. There's something like deep within our like neuroscience that, yeah. that is probably like going mental when we all sit down and eat together. And it, I guess it's also for people that provide that food as well. There must be some, I must be a hunter gatherer. Yeah. <laughs> but like there's something, there must be something in that as well, because that kind of provision and kind of, I don't know. There's some. Yeah, it must be rewarding, like super psychologically, yeah. that like makes you want to do it. Yeah. And then on the receiving end, is that as well? Like if you're, if you go back to like being a caveman and someone gave you food, that would be you living or dying. Yeah, so exactly. You'd be so thankful for that. Much more primal. Yeah. yeah. I definitely find myself um, inviting friends over that I know are super enthusiastic about my food. <laughs> <laughs> that really like make the kind of yum noises as they're eating. You're like, mm, <laughs> like, I need, yeah, a, I love I need that. a bit of an ego boost yeah, today. Exactly. Um, I'm not feeling sure it. over. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. And your friends call you a feeder, right? I, it's been said. <laughs> I feel like since I've been renovating, I've been feeding less. But yeah, a feeder could be accurate. Yeah. Um, so you haven't always done what we know you for nowadays. Um, you've worked a lot of kind of like, I guess, normal jobs. Yeah, I have. I um I started out, I moved to, I'm really taking you through my CV, which I said I wouldn't, <laughs> but I, I moved to London when I was just turning 18 and um, I got an internship at MTV and worked in the on-air department and the people that actually hired me um, were so generous in doing so because I had none of the appropriate qualifications. What's the on-air department? So on-air makes all the promos, it'd be like coming up next oh, at 5pm okay. tonight and so you do the count-ups or like coming up next or tomorrow at this time but we would do stuff with that was kind of back in the days of like Dirty Sanchez and TRL oh, my favourite show when I was growing up <laughs> I could watch it. it I'd literally be like I can't look he's stapling his ball back <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so it was kind of, um, it was that. And so it was making promos. And, um, but I, it was, I was the intern. I had no qualifications. They had kind of, they, um, these the kind of, uh, the people that hired me and gave me the job are still like in my life. I'm like my best friends now. Oh, amazing. And, cool. Yeah. And so um, I actually call one of them my London mum <laughs> because she is really, she, I kind of skipped university and just went straight to MTV and did all my drinking. She really showed me the ropes yeah. um, and kind of did all of that there. Um, but it was this amazing platform to then go on to. I kind of ended up moving around MTV, various departments. They kept me on in on air as well for for a while, um, and I ended up I ended up moving to. I'm trying to think where I went next. Um, I did. We did. We launched MTV Base Africa. Went out to Johannesburg oh, cool. and did a huge um, like live music event out there. 
um, I did, I kind of moved into talent booking. So I would book for the Europe Music Awards. Um, and you're hanging around with loads of celebs and stuff, I guess. Chaos. And just also just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, kind of like, you need to be here now to go on stage. And they'll be like, I'll go when I'm ready. You're like, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> like you're definitely going to have to go now. After that, I went on and worked for Channel 4 doing talent booking for T4, um, pop, crossover a bit into Pop World. Um, and that was fun and interesting for a while, but quite repetitive. Mm-hmm. Got to meet lots of exciting people, Patrick Swayze uh, being one of them. So, yeah, that was that was fun, but repetitive. Because I think people, we, we look at these like, quote unquote, dream jobs. Um, and those are those are brands that certainly there's a lot of people in the world yeah. who are like, I really want to work for Channel 4, really want to work for MTV. Totally. But like, yeah, after a while, it is just repetitive and you're doing the same things. Yeah. And even in those situations, there's still, I don't know, it's much more rewarding doing your own thing, I guess. I think so. And do you know what? After that stint at uh, T4, I actually paid for Kelly Osbourne for a year, which is totally out there. Um, but it... I think you kind of realise when you've done all these jobs, which is actually, it is amazing. It is, for me, I feel like that is crucial because you actually, there's so much that you learn from being in that environment and being out of your comfort zone so often, having to kind of work with different teams and really be, you know, able to adapt to whatever scenario, whatever's thrown at you. I think that is crucial. But I think ultimately by the end of kind of doing all of those different jobs, I was really keen to actually work, do something for myself as opposed to be constantly working towards somebody else's goal or dream. Um, I mean, that said, after Kelly, I went and worked in fashion for Henry Holland for House of Holland (laughs) uh, for, I don't know, for years. But um, yeah, I think again, it was that very much like you're so passionate and it's like Henry was a friend of mine and I was so passionate and driven to work towards making House of Holland this great brand. And because I was invested in him as well as the brand. But I think, yeah, it's a refreshing, although obviously poses different challenges working for yourself. Did you always have in the back of your head that you might want to do something on your own? I did, but I didn't really know what. And I didn't know that food was an option or a career that that didn't entail kind of working in a kitchen. Yeah. So I think for a long time that it just... I just didn't know that that was an option. I didn't know that I would have what it takes to to kind of stand up and do do it on your own. Also, I think you have your own business, and especially nowadays with social media, you actually it's not just about being able to cook. It's actually about being able to like manage your accounts and yeah. reach out to people, market yourself, like do all these things that actually you're like that didn't know about that one yeah (laughs) you know I think people forget how important marketing is like we find this with a lot of artists who just want to produce all the time but want to be successful and not realize that you have to do the marketing you have to do the accounts you have to do sales you have to do everything else that's involved in that and I suppose yeah you could be like the best chef in the world but if you don't know how to market yourself and no one else can see that then how's anyone going to find you you know there's this amazing documentary that's so heartwarming called Supermensch have you seen it Super. Super mensch. No. Um, and it's actually about um, a talent agent that kind of the created the first celebrity chef. Ah. And it's just, it's a, I mean, it's, it's all very personal, but it's like a really kind of uplifting and interesting look at kind of, I guess, how, how chefs have been marketed in a different way. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway. What was your main takeaway from it? Um, that he was just like an amazing person, you know, when you're just kind of like, oh, I'd like to marry him or something. I think he even <laughs> went out like Debbie Harry or something crazy. Um, but he, I don't know, it was just, it was, it was very much like, you know, 
everything is an option and everything is possible. And I think it was very much like you put out there what, you know, you, that optimism is actually what's crucial to to creating the life you want. So kind of coming back to your move into fashion, yes. like that seems like quite a different job role to what you were doing before, yeah. like booking and moving into more of like a marketing role. Mm. Where did you kind of get your experience for that? Or was it just learning on the go? Totally learning on the go. I Henry was a friend of mine and uh, his business was quite young at that point. So when I came on, I actually, I did production, we did sales, we did accounting. Um, and then eventually when it kind of grew and we had more resources to hire other people, I left production because that is hell. <laughs> and I remember actually telling him, we was like, let's set up reviews that have like a proper system in our, uh, in, <laughs> in the company. And I was like, okay, cool. Like first, first review, I was like, I just freaking hate production. <laughs> it's so thankless. Um, but you know, I'm passionate about the brand and like, um, so he was like, like do the sales side of things. And, um, the company was growing low. So I, took on US as a territory, one of my main territories. And so did a lot of traveling out to the US and Paris every year um, and would sell the collection. And I think for me, it was just, I love being around people. And I guess that that is probably the biggest challenge that working for yourself can pose because mm. I think often, and I know for me personally, I will second guess myself. I sometimes won't have the confidence in my convictions to be like, this is the right decision. Do this, do that. You can make that work. And I think working in that team environment, you can kind of have that conversation with people and be like, yes, this is the right decision. Yeah. How do you work with that now? And obviously you work on your own a lot. Yeah. So is, do you have any kind of like ways to kind of not be lonely, I yeah. suppose? Or um, So I love listening to podcasts. Um, but uh, I mainly just really annoy my husband just like calling me at really inappropriate times like I need a decision on this <laughs> he's like what um, but also there's I guess now because there's um, I've got friends that have done the same thing and yeah. uh, work for themselves that I try to kind of we've spoke a lot about doing like weekly catch-ups mm -hmm. and also I think sometimes actually being accountable to other people can really push you to get stuff done and I guess you guys work together, your business partners, like when you say you're going to do something, you actually then have to go back to the other one and be like, yeah, I have done that. Yeah, <laughs> I say I'm going to do something. We're really lucky to, that, that there's there's three of us. And um, that means that if like two, like drop the ball, yeah, there's always a majority decision on everything. Yeah, and, that's um, and we're, yeah. And we, we can all spur each other on when we're kind of feeling down about something yeah. or not sort of sure about an element of the business or something. We've all got each other's backs, which is great. Um, and I, I kind of knew when setting up, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. Um, yeah. So I was just lucky to find these two. Because I think also, like naturally, the kind of rhythm of life and whatever is kind of thrown at you, you are going to go through peaks and troughs. It's mm. never going to be just plain sailing. Like, I've got this. I'm going to feel positive about everything every day and wake up and be like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to smash it today. So I think having that kind of team and the the support around you is amazing. So I think it's, for me, it's been trying to like navigate how I can have that within the friendship group I've got. And I think trying to, you know, make that work for me mm. while being able to have my own company and also keep on top of each project I say yes to and don't mean to and kind of, you know, when you take on too much. Yeah, I, I it sounds to me from your previous roles that 
like all of them were laying the foundations for when you did eventually decide to leave that you will have learned so much in those other roles that would have made things like much easier for you. Just like the the breadth of experience you had around various different businesses and, and especially at House of Holland, like working yeah. in sales and on all of the different kind of elements that must have helped mm. going forward. Yeah, I think so. And I, But I think one of the things that I soon or very quickly realised was that actually, you know what, um, selling somebody else's brand is so different to selling your own because mm-hmm. you really are accountable. You've got to stand up and you've got to have the confidence of your conviction and be like, this is it, this is this is great. <laughs> and, you know, I want you to buy into me. And I think that was my, that was the first hurdle I really had to get over. I, I think it was, you know, being able to stand up and, and actually be confident and say, yeah, I'm good with this. This is... Where did you find your confidence? Do you know what? It took me a long time because actually... Um, actually, I don't feel like I grew up with... I don't, I wasn't ever told you can't do anything, but I, I wasn't particularly academic, but I tried really hard, so I got good grades, yeah. but I had to really work hard at that. But, like, my brother just has this amazing photographic memory and I would be like, you... <laughs> I would be like I remember for any exam I took I would cover my room in all the notes and then teach it back to myself over and over he would literally read the book the night before and I'd be furious (laughs) um so I think in terms of finding my confidence it took a long time and it just took I think having the balls to just be out of my comfort zone often Mm -hmm. and even now I have to kind of talk myself into it and um I guess meditation has become part of my life more so yoga finding that calm because I can be quite hectic and kind of have all these ideas want to do everything and then actually sitting down and doing it can can be much harder so I think it was it's kind of just trying to find what works with where you're at and meditation being calm trying to actually hone in that focus and kind of with meditation, I would then take a couple of minutes afterwards once I'm kind of calm to really visualize and focus what I wanted from that from every day. Mm-hmm. So I would sit and once I've meditated, sit and take a couple of minutes just to be like, right, have some clarity and be like, okay, today this is what I need to achieve. This is what needs to be done. Or, you know, I think just to so often you don't give yourself that time. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think you kind of learn that through struggling through it for a couple of years and so with the meditation would you do that first thing in the morning or would you do it during the day depends depends how stressful the day is but mm. ideally first thing in the morning and just taking that time before the chaos kind of surrounds you before you've looked at your phone before you've kind of got embroiled in whatever's come into your inbox I think just carving out that little bit of time for yourself to just be in the moment and calm I think has made like a huge difference for sure Definitely. Did you notice a difference between um, like when you finally sort of got your confidence up? Did that change your business? Um, did you start getting more opportunities or did both go hand in hand? So sort of the more opportunities you get, the more your confidence is yeah. boosted a little bit. And it. Do you know what? With um, a few years ago when I was doing, we lived in this old pub, I mean, for about eight years, but we lived in this pub and my friend was very kind of relaxed. Into, he had his music studio on the ground floor, but we had this huge kind of salon space upstairs. And so I would put on pop-up restaurants and come Christmas, it was the thing. We had this piano in the corner. 
Dan, who owned the house, he would get on the piano, do the carols. We would be like, I think one Christmas we actually got 70 people and I would literally call friends be like, I need another table. What have you got? <laughs> How many chairs have you got? Um, and so we'd put on these enormous pop-ups and I would pull in favours, I mean, to begin with, favours from friends and family to come and help me cook and do it. But in the end, I would be able to pay people and it was, you know, a proper thing. And um, one year, in fact, it was Henry's mum, uh, Henry Holland's mum. Uh, she's like, yeah, I'll come and help you. She's got this incredible chateau in the centre of Far- in France. And she's just this wonderful, glamorous woman. But um, Henry just has a very different approach to business and life. He would be very positive and optimistic always and we'd be like what this is this is shit show like this isn't happening what's going on and he's like no no it's fine I've asked the universe to put it out there I'd be like sorry um and so come uh this one year um his mom is like yeah I'll, I want to come and do a stint I want to do a pop-up stint so she's with me in the kitchen all day and we're chatting and we're talking about kind of everything and nothing and you know I was like I'm ready for I like I need a boyfriend like, it's been a couple of years now I've just had a string of shitty boyfriends like I'm over it and um, she was like, well, she's like, well, darling, have you, like, have you asked the, the universe? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I have not asked the universe. That's the one place I've not asked <laughs> or looked. Um, yeah. And so she kind of really introduced me to this whole other world of visualizing and putting out there and attracting what it is you want in your life. And this, I mean, for some people, I totally get it. It's like, it's out there. It doesn't make sense. But bizarrely, I find so many of the premises and kind of the I guess the like so many of the kind of train of thought in terms of looking for what like seeing what you want around you I find my husband doing that in his own way but in a non kind of like I'm asking the universe today babe yeah. type thing. I, he, I think I think I do the same it's like I don't I think we had this conversation I think yeah. we did yeah like I don't have that kind of what I would count as a bit of like a hippie kind of yeah, if yeah. I just ask for it it'll come but I think that visualization visualize visualizing the future yeah. is really important I think yeah. if you can't visualize what something can become yeah. it will never become that totally. like it's just having that thought of like well where am I leading this it's like, if I'm starting a business now what can it look like yeah. in 10 years and having that view of well what could it look like and then because if you don't you'll just stay where you are because yeah. and you'll just plod along but if you're like well I'm always driving towards this yeah and if you make every decision thinking well if I say yes to this will that get me closer to this vision that I've had yeah then that really helps you kind of go on the right path. And I think once you visualise, once you have that vision, you're also looking constantly around you of going, oh, that could dip into that, that could feed into yeah. that. You know, I turn up, show up. Like there were so many of these different things. I mean, like the secret was the first thing she said, just go and watch the secret. She was like, just, just watch that. So I was like, and it is really like, in terms of the energy you put out there and um, having this optimism, which again is a positive, like if you're in a good mood and you're like, hi, da, 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 people are like, Hi, yeah, cool, there you are. If yeah. you're like, fuck, this is a shit day. <laughs> People are like, ah, like, don't come near or by. And I think, I think that for me felt like a big turning point because for, like, and for a long time, like, I've had many a kind of family crap going on that has just really, like, weighed heavy on me. And yeah. I feel like it's affected so much. But this kind of gave me that, like, break away from all of that to be able to go, no, okay, I am going to channel all the things I want in my life I'm gonna put it out there and like I can do this and I know it sounds ridiculous but I think however which way you get to that way of thinking I think it's an important journey like it's an important place to get to in terms of reaching your own success and I'm not there (laughs) like I mean it's hardly like I've kind of 
got to where I want to be but I know that I'm definitely you know every day when I get a new job I'm grateful for it and you know I've I feel like I've been so lucky so firstly I think it like you never want to get there because if you totally, get there, yes. then, then then what? Like it's, it's all journey. about the journey. Yes. It's all about the process, and you have yeah. to fall in love with that. I otherwise, love that. Um, and I think for for both of us, like it definitely made me think of it when Adam was talking. Then for both of us, like for us, it's always about the science. Um, you can only convince us with science so um we don't believe in magic and when it comes to things like the secret um i think they've actually been quite negative to a lot of people who were expecting to sit at home and think about something and then for it to happen to them and i don't believe that that works but what i have what we have read on the actual science of visualization is that it opens a space in your brain um that Look, I love it. Uh, because yeah. we're because we're problem solvers. Yeah. We're basically monkeys, and and the reason we are where we are now in modern society Just is because we. <laughs> <laughs> you two sitting opposite me. Uh, <laughs> the human race. I mean, we are a pair of monkeys, but <laughs> the um, the human race is where it is because we've solved every problem that's that's come in front of us, um, and so by by visualizing you you get you set your brain to work on a problem um and so you can think about the the end goal and the result is like oh i w- i want to make 50,000 pounds by the end of the year that can be your goal yeah. that you put in your head but um, I wrote that check. I wrote what I wanted to earn in a you year. Did the Jim Carrey? Yeah, I did. And I freaking like I love that. Have you seen that? Is it Andy and Oh, I've not seen oh, that. Oh, the Andy Cal- the, the Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. Oh, like what it, it was called? Me and Andy, I think it was called. Yeah. Like that. that was incredible, but I mean, he is troubled, but incredible. I, I want to have a happy, comfortable life, but I don't have any sort of like figure that I'm shooting towards yeah. because it, it's all arbitrary and means nothing. And like we were talking the other day about legacy. I about think it's easy to say if you do have like cash in the bank and you kind of like know, you know, I think... I mean, we've we've eaten our beans on toast and like for years and years we were scratching and crawling. We had absolutely nothing. And our happiness levels are like, we're, we're more comfortable now. Um, but like what what brings us joy is doing is things like doing this podcast it's not like now we're right now yeah. For, yeah. Sure. for sure yeah. like all of them like we love sitting down with guests and we love yeah. the fact that whatever we're talking about in this room is going to help a bunch of people you you need to open that space in your head and if you can't picture yourself in a, yeah. a position of success then it's impossible to get yeah. there mm-hmm. um there's a very very interesting story about um there was a scientist who was working on a problem um in I think it was in Japan um, and then there were other scientists working on it in the US and the scientists in the US declared that it wasn't possible the Japanese scientists never heard that it wasn't possible and so cracked it and so everyone no one else in the US tried because they they believed that it wasn't possible so they were never ever going to achieve it because this guy thought well that's something that I could do he kept on yeah. doing until until he he reached it. So um, I think the important thing is to focus on the goal is great, but it's how you're going to get yeah. to the goal, and it's opening up those those pathways in your mind of like solving each individual problem and step. I think it's like we've spoken to people quite a lot about like that that's time when you like when you come out of university or you first leave a job where it's really cloudy and you don't know what those first steps are. So it's like, you can have your goal of like, I'm going to be rich and successful and on a yacht. 
and you can sit there and dream of it. But until you start working out those steps of like, okay, step one is I'm going to look at other people who've done this and see what they did. I'm going to, I'm going to start my Instagram account because I know that there's a lot of people that have been successful just by making content and just like working out what those solutions might be. And doing one thing every day towards that goal. If, even if you've got a full-time job, but you want to do something else, I think it's starting by, I mean, I wrote my first cookery book while I was still working full-time at House of Holland. I sat there, savage every night, just like, leave me alone, I'm doing this. And I'd be like typing away up all night. Because I was like, I'm making I'm making this happen. I can't believe I've been lucky enough to have been given the opportunity to make a cookery book. I, mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was probably too premature for me. But I was so, like, excited that this was such a huge opportunity. And I would be able to kind of, at the end of it, hold up kind of this book... And then you could use the cookery book as a platform to like springboard. Was that the point where you were like, I'm going to leave? Yeah. And do you know what? Everyone said to me, you will never regret going freelance. You will never, no one, like so many friends just said, I couldn't tell you one person out of all the freelance people I know that have regretted it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and what's the worst that can happen? You can go back and get another job. You could go back to Henry and you could be like, please give me my job back. He would say no, never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So glad you've gone. Yeah, it has really been great (laughs) since you've gone. Um, So... Yeah, I think, you know what, for for a long time, like, I, I did supper clubs, I hustled, I really, like, I did everything around working full-time because, well, I actually did four days a week, but I keep saying full-time, but we would do a lot of travel and uh, all the sales trips and everything. But um, at one point, I, do you know what, it's so funny because I think for a long time I really thought, you know what, like, timings just haven't worked out for me and I've been unlucky and this hasn't, you know, a, fr- a friend of mine who I used to work with at um, Channel 4, uh, well, uh, when I was booking for uh, T4, we actually worked, she was a producer, and we actually put together this cookery show. In the run-up to Christmas, it was about, I think we had three weeks to get this together. Channel 4 came to us. We'd been pitching and pitching, going back and forth, had all these meetings at Channel 4. And we were just like, shit, is this actually going to happen? This is, like, this is crazy like we're so out of our depth we sat in with the commissioners at channel four being like this is gonna happen and they came back to us i mean after so long and so much kind of work and this and that and they said look okay this is a lot of money you've got three weeks this is what we want um and it was it was like 15 minutes that went out on t4 saturday and then 45 on t4 sunday so it'd be like on the saturday we're gonna take you so we did a christmas special for them we basically i was hosting which i was like Oh my God, it was kind of all very last minute. Mm. We went out to this turkey farm. We talked about how to get, you know, your great produce produce for Christmas and where it comes from, what, you know, what's what, what's good, how to prepare it. Um, and then the next day it would be this cook-along and we were in the old pub that I lived in and we had the entire house rigged up. Um, security overnight, the like outside broadcast truck outside and we had the wanted singing in the courtyard. We had Ollie Mers cooking with me in the kitchen. We had... Dynamo, which everyone kind of culminated around the table for this big feast that I tried to control in some way. Um, and it was complete chaos, all amazing. But literally the night before, the guests were kind of finally confirming. I was booking the guests. My friend was... Uh, it was just... It was organised chaos, but chaos. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we were just like, shit, this is happening. This is, this is going to be our show and we've made it happen. And we were just like, you know, pretty much celebrating with the commissioners being like, this is, this is happening. This is going to happen. And in the 11th hour, it got pulled. So it, it TX, it went out on Channel 4, on T4. 
the Christmas special and we just couldn't believe it. I couldn't kind of watch because I was like, oh God, you're so annoying. <laughs> um, and the 11th hour, yeah, it just got pulled. The head of BBC moved over to Channel 4. Our show was called Sunday Brunch. They they cancelled, she took with them uh, something for the weekend, brought it to Channel 4, got rid of T4, called it Sunday Brunch. And that was our show, got like everything we'd worked for like years and we so just, they aired the first two and then promised you a series. Well, so it was literally the commissioners were saying to us, I think this is a goer. Like, yeah. you can pretty much celebrate this. Like, I can't believe it. And they'd given us a lot of money to make like make these two shows. They'd gone out on T4. Um, and it got pulled. And we were just like, fuck. We were just like, and then, you know, when you'd, you know, I'd had this vision, like, this is, this is going to be where my career path is going. Yeah. This is, you know, we just couldn't, believe it kind of on both parts like that we were gonna make it happen then all of a sudden we weren't at all and everything kind of went quiet and we just tried to kind of repitch it slightly after and reposition it and it just didn't ever happen and it just went away and I guess looking back now I'm like you know timings perhaps weren't right maybe I wasn't confident enough maybe I, it wasn't the right time for me yeah. to be doing this how did you feel at that time it was a shitter because I was like you know when you actually kind of also, I had a lot of friends that were becoming really successful and had these dreams that, you know, they were fulfilling. They were like, and they were out there. They were big jobs. They were really successful people. And for a moment, I was like, I am going to be, I'm I'm going to be doing that to you. Like, you know, and we will have made this happen. We will have produced and written this show and had it commissioned. And we've gone through this process and it was just over. So I guess it was really trying to figure out, okay, what is next? You know, and trying to, I, I guess I haven't actually spoke about it for so long. Um, but it does make me think now, you know, we've just renovated our place and that has been full on. But one of the things I really wanted to do was actually create a space where I've just launched my cookery classes. So the first start this Saturday um, was A, where I could kind of be with people and teach and kind of cook at the same time. But also the idea is to start filming and having people come and cook in my kitchen with me. And that you really realise working on your own, you know, if that, I think it is just working on your own is one thing, but realising what it is that makes you happy and what it is you enjoy and thrive on. I think that, and then like, you know, having the balls try and hone in on that is the most important thing. And I think that's for me where I'm at now going, right, actually, you know what? I can sit here, I can write all day, I can listen to podcasts, chuck along at this do that but what I really want to do is I want to really build up this community where you know I can be around people and thrive in that way so that's the next step and we live in 2019 so that's totally possible I think like your show you were at the mercy of yeah. the um yeah. the the gatekeepers totally and they could pull the plug they had the power to pull the plug no one can pull the plug on your youtube show exactly and i just don't know why i've not you know also you get you say yes to this job this job because you're thinking right i want to make this amount of money i want to do this i want to do that yeah. but actually the focus now is like going now i'm not paying obscene amounts for renovations i can go right okay this is where i want to invest my money and this is where i want to like have my life and my kind of direction go like I love being around people and like you said when we kind of started this conversation is that what you love is actually doing these podcasts speaking to inspiring people having you know there's no right or wrong way like I kind of love everyone's opinion yeah. on kind of subjectiveness on this on that and I just think that that's actually an exciting place to be I think that's what's lovely about 
doing stuff for yourself is it's like you never really know what's going to happen you can have your visualizations things can completely change totally. but as long as you keep going at it with passion like you'll find something yeah. and yeah like it's so nice to see that like you're sounds like you're almost at that exact point of so. what you're aiming for which is great yeah because I loved your story when you came around and we did that shoot and everything like you started said previously is like you have this vision of what you want to do and you're so like you're a very calm kind of <laughs> considered person and I feel like I'm much more hectic and out here but you're like but you are equally as driven you can fit like and I just find like even being around like in the vicinity of that is inspiring to see how you navigate and like you know I just yeah, think yeah. that I just think that's so important to kind of, you can get, I think working solo, you can really get stuck in a rut mm-hmm. of like how you work, what you're doing, and you kind of start losing the passion for what you're doing. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's really nice about starting this podcast is the amount of people that we meet who all have got completely different stories and yeah. do things in completely different ways, but just really invigorates you. It makes you kind of think like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And I think having that community of people is just so important. Like what you were saying earlier about, um, when you get people together on a Friday or something to yeah. kind of like discuss stuff, like how many people are involved in that and how did you get that and organise that? So that is still much kind of in the in the workings. But yeah. I've got, so there's, I basically have two friends, one that I do a call with once a week and another that we'll meet up, like, so I'm meeting her this afternoon and we will go through um, what we're doing that week, any anything we can collaborate on and do together. Yeah. Or I guess it's just it kind of started when she she was on a call and we were going to grab a coffee and she was sort of like palming off this like great job that she'd already mentioned to me the week before but she was kind of well I just don't think I can do that I've not got the time but actually it was this brilliant campaign that she could do she had basically just talked herself where she'd just lost her confidence for a and I was like she got the phone and I was like what are you doing you, yeah. you told me last week you were so excited about this project of course you can do it make it happen Da-da-da. like yes you can do it and she got back on the phone and was like we of course we can make this work like you know when sometimes I think you do lose your nerve like working alone there's um a youtuber I watch in New York and he's kind of got a bunch of people around him where I think once a week or once every couple of weeks they'll get together like in an evening get a bunch of beers in and then they'll like I think there's like five or six of them who are involved all kind of like working for themselves and they'll basically someone will stand up and say what they've done this week and then everyone else have a brainstorm for that person of like that, yeah. why don't you try and do this why don't you try yeah. and do that and I think that's such a nice way that if you do work on your own get a bunch of people around you totally. like you don't have to be alone yeah. like and it's not that hard to find people these days as well like no. just drop them a dm or something because yeah. yeah chances are they're feeling the same way that you are it's like and everyone says the same thing so the there is actually kind of a little kind of instagrammy crew that kind of meets up regularly we go through the you know once you've had your, all your goss and all of that then yeah. you kind of sit down and and you can kind of put it out there and the plan is to try and get a monthly thing in but I, everything's i don't know it's quite hard to just have one day that you stick to that works yeah. for everyone i suppose if everyone get if you make it like this has to happen on this yeah. day because it's so important so great and i think you say well this is definitely happening on this date of every month if you can't make it because you're on holiday i think just don't come but yeah. we'll still do it yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. and making sure that consistency happens because then it become a habit of just things you get used to doing totally. rather than and i think having a rule of like you can't miss more than two in a row yeah. if you yeah, miss more than good. two in a row then you're not in the group anymore yeah. like don't Strict. like yeah but well because then like then you've got accountability and you're like because yeah. I know there's a lot of times where it's like should do this thing but yeah, bed or telly yeah, or yeah. whatever and it's like when you've got that kind of accountability of like 
really should do this thing and there's a consequence if I don't do it, then you're going to do it. Yeah, because I think especially like Instagram is kind of a separate thing and I'm grateful that it's there and can be part of my business, but ultimately kind of like writing and and cooking is kind of where I want to focus my time and energy. But um, I think just surrounding yourself with people that inspire you, I find is so incredible. And and I guess that comes back to kind of getting that group together because there's definitely people that, you know, when you can have like an off day and then you kind of, you go and have your coffee with this person that you've not seen for a while or, and all of a sudden you're thinking in a completely different way. Yeah. And I think it's just about like managing yourself, knowing what you're like and managing yourself to stay on track and on that path that you want to be on. We're talking about visualizations. There's, there's certainly people that we imagine that we'll have on the podcast at some point. Who? Um, was it well, me? so, so I was <laughs> thinking, I was well I was thinking specifically um Rick Rubin is right. someone that I really 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 want to get on the podcast if I know who that is um so he's a record producer he produced like um the Beastie Boys and Run okay. DMC in the 80s um he's produced I mean he's produced everyone I think pro- he's produced Metallica he's produced um Eminem like just like everyone you've ever heard of he's and he's a, a just a genius okay um and I listened to um Tim Ferriss's interview with him I think he's in a couple actually but um and like for me that was that was one of those interviews where I was just like I I'm sitting in a room with two inspiring people like um and like that was before we started the podcast and now we get to to do it every day and like although we haven't had Rick Rubin because that interview exists I can just go and listen to that and I think that's just the great thing of like you don't have to start your own podcast and be in a room with someone incredible like there's access to almost everyone. Yeah. Like there's interviews with Obama online. It's like, yeah. you can't get a meeting with the guy, but you can pick his brain, quote yeah. unquote, like you, just by consuming their content. Yeah. And that's the wonderful position we're in at the moment. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. I do just think to to kind of sit down and pick people's brains that you really, truly admire and you want to hear what they've got to say yeah. is an amazing thing. Uh, a guy I met in New York, the same guy actually who set up the... the group of his friends um he said to me whenever if you've got if there's anyone you ever want to meet think about a question you'd want to ask them in advance because if for some reason you're sat yes. in a coffee shop and they walked in you, like because i've had it before where i've been to like a record signing of like a band that i've liked and i'll be like i really like you you're really good yeah, yeah. And you just don't know what to say whereas if i think if i made if i thought in advance what question i could ask them that i could actually get something yeah. from like have that in the bank. So if you've got like your top 10 people you'd love to ask a question to, make sure you know that question in advance because if they walk in, you can go and ask them that question rather than just be like, can I have a selfie with you, please? Yeah, I think it's because as soon as you ask for the selfie, then you put yourself into a category for them of like, this is a person, yeah, this is a person that's asked for a selfie with me. Um, And you need to meet them on a, on kind of an equal footing to be taken seriously, I think. It's a funny one, that, isn't it? Because I think we so easily put people on a pedestal that are famous or that... Like, I don't watch Love Island. I don't watch any of those... I don't know. Rashi TV. No, because I just think... Like, I don't have a huge amount of time anyway. And when I... Like, the time I do have, I actually want to be enriching my... 100%. ...mind. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, What content do you consume? Well, podcast. I do. I love a podcast. Every podcast, other than Creative Rebels, obviously. <laughs> yeah, this number one. Um, talk art. I have to say that um, because I do love it. 
Um, and I listen to, do you know what I actually really love? And this is kind of really sad, but like um, when me and my husband are on a honeymoon and just whenever we go away together, we always get into a podcast. And so we did like Teacher's Pair, Making a Murderer. Like, oh, well, Making a Murderer wasn't a podcast, but yeah, all of, I kind all of love. Yeah, I, I don't know. I love those murder mystery or like something that's just yeah. got like some bizarre, t- like I've, I was painting the other day and we ended up listening, it just kind of Alexa put on whatever she wanted to, <laughs> to play, just wanted to ignore us again. Um, and yeah, and it was like this podcast about this guy that had been like unconscious, like trying to make it over the border from Mexico for fi- like 15 years in, in this hospital bed. And they did this whole investigation. But then I was just like sitting there painting and crying. It's like, <laughs> terrible. But yeah, so I love, I love a podcast, Guilty Feminist. Like I, I love stuff that makes me laugh. Like I really, I just think there's so much value in being able to have a proper belly ache, like proper really laugh. So, what about business ones? Do you listen to anything? Um, how we made this. I've listened to a few of those. I kind of got into watching like, um, my next, is it my next guest needs no introduction? The David Letterman, where he's got Kanye, Obama, like had some interesting people. Um, I kind of love that. I guess everyone does like loves a bit of insight into people's lives, but on a bit of a more real level than people that I don't know, they're trying to set up with other people to fall in love with. Who's your biggest inspiration? Um, do you know what? Like, I'm sure there are people that I really do find incredibly inspiring, but I feel like my husband really has this amazing calm that I live for. And he has, he used to be like a, he used to fly off the wall at all sorts. Apparently I never kind of saw that, but he has managed to just really hone his calmness and he thinks before he speaks he's considered he's so caring and he's just he's funny but he doesn't he's not always trying to be funny but he will come in with like a belter and I just think oh that's a really amazing he never feels like he's missing out he's not on social media he's just living his life and caring for the people around him I'm like this is this is good (laughs) oh what a wholesome lovely answer (laughs) great that's pathetic isn't it (laughs) no it's lovely um, you mentioned your Instagram account. I know um, at the beginning of the year, you were a little bit kind of frustrated with how things were going and losing a lot of followers and, and stuff like that. I think I was just getting bored with the... It, follow and follow thing. Yeah, but also I think it's just like in terms of trying to grow it, I just don't know how authentic the whole thing is in general. I don't know. I, and I think I was just like this is just taking up too much of my life. This isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you just naturally have peaks and troughs with anything you do. You kind of, one minute it's like, it's great and you're getting great traction on something. I mean, really frustratingly, all my renovation stuff um, has done, just does way better than any other thing I do. So yeah, any kind of, I think because everyone's so kind of house proud now. People yeah. want to, people loved it when I would show like my house trashed when the builders yeah. are just like, done another shit kind of like just I don't know um but yeah I think you just go in peaks and troughs and now it's fine I do you know I actually don't spend enough time on there to warrant it bothering me so much now and I think that's the thing I I think and like my husband was a kind of the person that was like saying, you know what, if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. Like, mm. yeah, do it as much as you need to for your work. Make it work for you. Don't let it rule your life. Like, come and be present. And, you know, and I'd find myself like, you're on holiday. I love taking photos. I will always take photos. But 
you know, when you, everything is so like, okay, I've got to do that for that, then that for that. I've said yes to too many things. I'm now doing a post with this person. It's just like, actually, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this lovely meal. I'm going to eat my pasta. And, you know, I think that there's just value in that. And I think it's just trying to moderate what is worth doing for work and what is worth doing for like your own happiness. Yeah. And putting that first. Um, You have like multiple different revenue streams because there's lots of different things that you do that can like can fund you so i think like i think supper clubs especially for someone who's like into food like what a great way to start because you can start building that up on the side you can do it evenings and weekends when you're working a full-time job and i think that's such a smart way for people to get into food but what like what are some of the different ways that you that you monetize i think i mean i've not monetized my blog but i know that there's people that do um and I guess it's if I guess you know starting a blog getting if you want to cook and you want to share that your recipes I think like you know I think it's good to have experience across kind of everything from food styling to home making like you can work I mean there's so I've got friends that are amazing like food stylists and photographers and they're shooting books or cookery books all year round and I've had experience with them like I love it I love going and seeing how other people cook like what am I most exciting things that I did was work on Antonio Carluccio's book with him in his house and he'd be like just chomping on massive chunks of cheese or whole burratas (laughs) or something um and I think it's like just I think it is like network meet people work for free if you have to and if you can um I know that's not always it's we always advocate working for free especially when you're getting started because it's like you can grow a portfolio but you might might take 10 years to get like if you go to someone and say look like I would say like try and find like 10 people you'd love to work for yeah. go to them and say like I'll offer you my service for free like are you interested and yeah. they might say no but there's a good chance that you might find them at the right time and they say yes yeah. and then you suddenly got that person and on your CV and go back to them if they don't come back to you first yeah. up go back like two three times whatever you know absolutely be polite like, you can yeah, do it you don't have to bother them but like just keep offering yeah. and eventually like you'll end to say like well I've done this for this person this person this person and if you can go to a new person who you could like you're selling to you're like look well I've done it yeah done this for these people would you like me to do it as well and they'll be like wow they've done it for these so yes I'll do it for you yeah it's like it's just growing trust and And I think building a network of people that you've worked with that you can call on for advice or go back to or they might call you up and be like I've someone's dropped out can you come and do this yeah And I think it is, it's building up that network and getting out there, meeting people. Yeah, I think like sure. the people you meet will change your lives. Yeah. And it's like, I found that with my photography. It's like, you're here now because we shot yeah. together because I said, do you want a free shoot? Amazing photographer. <laughs> Everyone use him. <laughs> but it's like, you just use that to grow a network and it's great. It's like, you can meet people just by offering a skill. Yeah, absolutely. So you use the blog um, as kind of like more marketing to get people to know about you. I guess I know that people do do that. I think I was super fortunate um, with contacts that I already had and people that I'd worked with um, because I managed to get like a regular piece with Vogue. So I did Vogue online um, and I did Miss Vogue for a while. Again, when I look back, I'm like, God, that was so premature because actually I don't know how great that imagery is that I've shot or kind of messily put together. Um, I mean, they signed it off, so it must have been good. And Grazia, I did like the food pages for Grazia for a year and a half. Um, And I guess it's just, you know, I definitely would have felt out of my comfort zone and often do. I think probably every job I've started or taken on or said yes to, there's there's definitely a moment where you're like, crap, you know, like, oh God. But I think take a breath, take a minute. You can, and you can do it, you know? And if you prepare 
rehearse, do whatever it is that's necessary, you can go in and feel confident and do a good job at something. Um, so, yeah, I guess now, again, like, you know, it is the people you meet and I've ended up with a column for Evening Standard where I can write about food, interview cookery book writers um, and people that are passionate about food. Um, yeah, I don't know, everything kind of... I think using Trust those those out. bigger platforms and it comes back to working for free again as well. It's like, I mean, obviously you had contacts, which is great, but like contacting every single magazine yeah. under the sun, if you, if you are able to write well and you can write about what it is that you do. Yeah. So if you're, if you're an artist and you can, but you can write as well, then you can approach wherever, um, then it builds your personal brand and it like just so many opportunities can come from that. Because yeah. also I think it's so important to remember all the people that we would per like perceive as being really successful now. You know, people like Sam and Cow have gone bankrupt at 30 and yeah. like, you know, and they've gone back and they've had to pick up the pieces and start again and try again. And, and I think that that is the thing that constantly kind of plays in the back of my mind, like, yeah, not everything has worked out and gone to plan. But, you know, those those experiences still have so much value. And I think it's like, okay, what's the next thing? What can I do now? What will work for me now? Like, I do believe, like, timings and, you know, everything does happen for a reason. Yeah, because I, so. I feel like I the experience so. you have now, if you moved to Spain and had no contacts, yeah. you could still make a success of yourself because you know how to do it. You know how to go and approach people. Yeah. It's not like people are just being like, oh, here's a job. Yeah. It's like you could go and get them because you've got the confidence to do it because you've done it before. Yeah, I think it is just, do you know what? Like, just try, try and try again and try again because you were like, I, I feel like that's so true of just, you know, you get knockbacks. It's not always going to work out. Mm -hmm. That person might not be in the office that day. They might, da -da -da, someone new comes in, whatever the deal is, go back and keep pushing until you kind of get to where you want to get to. Yeah. I'll and take so, that advice myself. This and so another... <laughs> I'm going home to write some emails. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so another way that you've monetized is uh, classes. You've got some classes coming up. So cookery classes. Um, yeah, we've like we've now got this like gorgeous kitchen space with a big island um, and all amazing appliances like Dream Miller appliances. And yeah, people have kind of the, the first class that I released a couple of weeks ago is like sold out in the first day. And I'm starting my first class tomorrow, uh, what day? Saturday. So, Amazing. What, what, what's involved in a class? So one of the classes is Dinner Party Pro. So it's all about um, the dishes that you will make for your guests uh, at a dinner party. But it's about how you lay the table, how to host and look kind of effortless and, you know, still be the hostess with the mostess. And just kind of, you know, um, provide a lovely meal for people, but kind of not while running around your kitchen. So it's all kind of tips, tricks, hacks, how you can kind of do things effortlessly. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, I like this one. Um, I would just say you can have it all. And it's not that you should want it all, but you can have it. It's all there for the taking. Know you can do it. Know that no one else like deserves it more than you like go out get it like you've got this you can do it I wait like yeah I think when I have children that'll be it'll you know in a really not pushy mum way but I think it's just like it's all good you've got it you can do whatever if you want to do something you can do it Boom. where can people find you online you can my website uh you can find me at www.annabarnettcooks.com or on instagram annabarnettcooks
and I've got cookery classes coming up. There's lots of exciting bits. I'm, I am making these videos work. <laughs> it is going to happen. Where can people find out about the classes? So Instagram, um, you can sign up to my newsletter on my website um, and I post up the classes there kind of first. So you get kind of first dibs. Um, yeah, and I'm super excited for people to come cook, share my space. Yeah, I'll definitely come down. Yeah, you need to, come. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.